College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here. 1210 WPHT, the city of brotherly love. The weekend is upon us, and Friday, Friday had lots of big news, uh, not the least of which was the Philadelphia mask mandate that went into effect, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. It's now over. (laughs) So they've rolled that back. Masks will continue to be required in healthcare settings. And congregations like nursing homes and uh, shelters and whatnot. But it's now strongly encouraged but not required because Philly has lifted the indoor mask mandate, according to city health officials. And I'm reading you a piece from ABC 6 News. Philadelphia's mask mandate. That's right. The city just announced that that indoor mask requirement is over effective immediately. Of course, that comes just days after the rule was reinstated. Action News reporter Jacqueline Lee joins us live from Aikens Oval with more on what prompted the change today. Jacqueline. That's right, Sarah and Brian. The city is reversing course because it says Philadelphians listened. About an hour ago, the health commissioner said that ever since they made the announcement that they would reinstate the mask mandate back on April 11th, they say hospitalizations and case counts decreased immediately. So they say they are simply following the data and they say this is not confusing. In a stunning reversal, the City of Philadelphia Health Department is now shedding its indoor mask mandate after reinstating it for four days. In a news conference this morning, Philadelphia Health Commissioner Dr. Cheryl Vedigal attributed the reversal to decreasing case counts and hospitalizations. The city is averaging 242 cases per day and 65 hospitalizations, down from 377 cases and 82 hospitalizations. Based off of that data, wouldn't that put the city in level three based off of the city's own metrics? So if we were still using the response levels, it would. And I think that's a good example of why we've decided not to. However, the city used those very metrics to justify imposing the mask mandate earlier this week. Bedigal says the metrics, which were created in February, are now used as an early warning sign. We said at the time that if we didn't then see an increase in hospitalizations, that we needed to rethink. And that's exactly what we're doing. And this is uh, interesting because there's been so much controversy this week. On Monday, it was set to expire. The Biden administration said, you know, we're going to prolong this for another two weeks to do research at the federal level. And then a judge comes out, Judge Mazel, she comes out and says, oh, you know what? This whole thing has no statutory authority. The CDC doesn't have the power. It's got to end. And now the Biden people say, no, no, we're coming back because we have to do this. We need to maintain power. Everybody was all up in arms, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, right? The Fouchster, paging Dr. Fauci, paging Dr. Fauci. Now, good old Dr. Fauci, he was really upset about this whole thing because he says the CDC should be above the law. He's very disappointed. Tell us how you feel, Dr. Fauci. Both surprised and disappointed because those types of things really are the purview of the CDC. This is a public health issue. And for a court to come in, and if you look at 
the, the rationale for that. It really is not particularly firm. And we are concerned about that, about courts getting involved in things that are unequivocally public health decisions. I mean, this is a CDC issue. It should not, should not have been a court issue. Now, going back to Philadelphia and an announcement from the uh, Department of Public Health, it said residents and visitors are strongly encouraged but not required. So what's going on here that Philly had reinstated the, the thing a few days earlier and taken it away and Washington's having this infighting? I think it's because they know they don't have a leg to stand on legally. And moreover, they don't care about the law. They've never cared about the law. What they care about is the will of the people. And they realize we can fool some of the people some of the time, but we can't fool all of the people all of the time. And it's because of that that they now say, you know what, I think enough is enough. This is way out of control. We've caused way more harm than we've caused good, and it needs to stop. Now, the Philadelphia Board of Health voted on Thursday to rescind the mandate, and it went into effect immediately. So there they are. Philadelphia Health Commissioner said in a statement Friday morning, we have said throughout the pandemic we will respond based on the data available. In implementing our mask mandate, we promise to continue to monitor the hospitalizations and to review the need for the mandate of hospitalizations uh, if those rose in respect with following cases. That's Dr. Cheryl Bedigal, Philadelphia's health commissioner. So kudos to them for getting it right. Happy that this is happening uh, the cases are on the downswing, and this is where it needs to be. Why can't we do the same thing with crime in Philadelphia? Why can't we do the same thing with crime all across America? Because this is a big deal. Now I'm switching to gears here to uh, Fox 5 New York has a piece originally from Fox 29 Philly. A woman in New Jersey was groped by an unidentified man, and he was naked. And guess what? It happened in her shower. Listen to this. About a week ago, a woman told the Hillsborough Township Police in New Jersey she was taking a shower in her house when a naked, unidentified man got in the shower and grabbed her from behind. The woman told police she fought the man off, at which point he fled the residence. Officials said the woman was not physically harmed during the altercation. The woman provided details regarding the man's appearance to the New Jersey State Police Forensic Imaging Unit. He's described as being between 18 and 24 years old with a thin build short, dark hair, and no facial or body hair. That's great. We don't know if this guy is uh, Japanese, African-American, Irish, right? Did, did you get that in the description? Because all I got was an age and thin build, dark hair. Hillsborough Police and Somerset County Police are looking for details on the crime. What is good with the crime? What is going on? So you can't even take a shower in your own home anymore. Now, of course, a little bit hyperbolic there. Of course, you can take a shower in your own home. But you better bring your 9mm with you because you never know when some schmuck is going to come and try to join you in the uh, in the shower. I shouldn't say schmuck, right? Maybe I should change that to some pendejo. But bottom line is we have to get things uh, tightened up here a little bit. And again, that wasn't in Philly. That was in Jersey. But the point is people are feeling brash. People are feeling brazen because they know that it's a disarmed society. I've said it before. I'll say it again. An armed society is a polite society. This is why people go running around shooting people, hurting people, killing people. Of course, organized crime, gangs, all of that's a part of it. But when people don't fix problems, they perpetuate. They fester. And this is why we have generations upon generations and so many of our big cities going on and killing people and hurting people and doing what will ultimately lead to the demise of a society. So this is why we have to do something about it. This is why we have to be more vigilant, because if we don't, who will? I mean, they're even getting the children of police officers. Nobody is safe. 
when pro-crime progressive prosecutors are on the job, making sure that they let every last person back out onto the streets, every last criminal back onto the streets. Listen to this. NBC 10 Philadelphia. Hiram Hill was shot to death in January, the son of a police officer. Now, this is breaking news right now. As of yesterday, the suspect in the killing of a police officer's son has surrendered. LeVar Turner, 23 years old, turned himself into Philadelphia police at 10 a.m. Friday morning. Turner's charged with the murder, robbery, criminal conspiracy, and weapons-related charges in the killing of 23-year-old Hiram Hill. Police said they're still searching for a second suspect. The DA's office, good old Larry Krasner, reports that Hill was exiting a store on Broad Street and Allegheny Avenue in North Philly when he was approached by two suspects who tried to rob him. At least one of those suspects opened fire. He was shot nine times, rushed to a nearby hospital, Temple University Hospital, where he died from his injuries a short time later. My condolences. On Monday, police released the surveillance video of the two suspects in the shooting, and by Friday they had one in custody. So kudos to the Philadelphia police and always back the boys in blue because guess what? When they come for your family, it's that thin blue line that's in the way especially in places like Jersey and L.A. and D.C. where the residents have been disarmed, the citizenry is disarmed. But isn't it interesting how we can follow the infections, we can follow the case rates, we can follow so much of this data to the T, but yet the shootings, the killings, the stabbings, the murders, all of this stuff that happens on a daily basis in Philadelphia and in big cities all across America, New York City is not the least of them, and yet, Nothing gets done. It's crime, 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 and more crime. Anyway, we're going to stay on this crime theme for a bit because I want to talk to an expert in law enforcement and somebody that can respond to a story that I read that really caught my eye. An assembly candidate was arrested on bank robbery charges. Yep, you heard that right. More to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez at Rich Valdez with an S on all of the social media and You're listening to This Is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. 
times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. This is America. He's brown. He's bald. And he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. What's up, America? Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Everybody listening in Philly on WPHT. Everybody listening on iHeartRadio, Odyssey.com. Thank you if you're checking out the podcast. Thank you for tuning in at Rich Valdez with an S if you want to chime in on social media. And I want to stick on this theme of crime because there was a crime committed, or at least it appeared that way, when somebody was um, getting into it with Mike Tyson. Then he turned around and smacked him in the face. Now, I don't know which one of these guys is the guilty party, but according to the New York Post, this guy has a long rap sheet. No, and I don't mean Mike Tyson, who was in prison and who was the former heavyweight champion of the world, but I'm talking about the guy that he got into the altercation with, the guy who was behind him that was, you know, poking the bear, poking the bear. So now again, uh, am I uh, justifying Mike Tyson's use of violence? I'm not going to answer. But, you know, let's call it um, hypothetically. Yes. Here's the headline. Man who Mike Tyson punched on flight has a long criminal history. New details have emerged about this altercation. The guy, Melvin Townsend III, 36 years old, long criminal rap sheet, been convicted of fraud, grand theft, burglary, possession of a controlled substance, and trafficking stolen property. In 2018, Mr. Townsend had a run-in with cops where he broke into somebody's home, stole their trailer, hitching it to the back of his own pickup truck. In a separate incident, Townsend was found to be in possession of oxycodone. Uh-oh, oxyroxy. Townsend served two stints in prison, one for 20 months, another for 15 months. Captured on video, Tyson punched Townsend in the head numerous times after he repeatedly harassed a former heavyweight champion. Now, look, I laugh, and you're right. If this would have been somebody I know, somebody that uh, matters to me, I'd probably say, what a barbarian, what a brute. But in this in this uh, video that I've seen, it appears to be, you know, what you would expect when you bother somebody the size of Mike Tyson, somebody who bit somebody's ear off. Now, Tyson alleges that this incident got violent when Mr. Townsend threw a water bottle at him. Eventually, Tyson hit him back, left him a little bloodied up, a little bit bruised. Both men were escorted off the plane and greeted by law enforcement. Tyson said he wasn't pressing charges for getting the water bottle thrown at him, and they were both let go. Tyson eventually made his way to Miami. Bienvenido a Miami. One of my favorite places, Miami, by the way, to attend a marijuana conference because that's his latest business. He's an entrepreneur in the um, cannabis marijuana space. So maybe there wasn't a crime here after all. Now, check this one out. A D.C. 13-year-old kid arrested for nearly a dozen crimes, including armed robbery with a hammer, carjacking with a gun and assault. Now, Jim Hinch in Bloomberg Opinion Uh, He says drugs are fueling an urban crime wave. Will the Democrats pay attention, making the case that the defund the police movement has hurt urban cities the most and is now perpetuating violence everywhere? And hence, we have this crime wave. I would love to see if crime goes down in states that legalize marijuana. As you know, um, neighboring New Jersey just legalized marijuana for recreational use. And I'd love to see the study that says, you know, now that everybody's high, everybody's happy, car accidents are down, everybody's getting to work on time, everything's just A-OK. Now, I know every last pothead in the audience is like, oh, Rich, come on, you're killing me, man. But 
Uh, this is a legitimate question because when they legalized pot in Colorado, it had some very detrimental effects. Homelessness went up. Unemployment went up. So I'm curious to see, with 37 states now legalizing marijuana, will things go down? Will this decrease? Will people be more motivated to go work? Will we have less homelessness? Just a question. Let me know what your thoughts. At Rich Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. And to wrap up our session on crime here, a woman running for Nevada State Assembly was arrested for allegedly robbing a Las Vegas bank last weekend. La Juana Clarks, uh, 47 years old, charged with robbery and burglary of a business in the first offense. I want to get with an expert on this because I've got the head of police. He's actually the sheriff of Clark County, and he's in charge of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police and he's going to be joining us up next. So don't move a muscle. We've got Sheriff Joe Lombardo. He's going to be joining us. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And just before the break, we were talking about how this woman who's running for the state assembly went into a bank and put a note uh, in front of the teller saying, hey, I need $888. And she was so specific to it. It really made me feel bad because I'm thinking things are so bad in Biden's America, in Biden's economy, that people are resorting to robbing banks. Nonetheless, somebody that is an actual candidate for the state assembly, somebody that's trying to make a difference. She was a Democrat, by the way. I wouldn't be a good partisan if I didn't call that out. But I want to bring in a guest. He's a law enforcer, but he's a lot more than that. And he's from Las Vegas, right? Sheriff Joe Lombardo is the sheriff of Clark County, and he's the head of the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And he has been a sheriff for a long time. He oversees a $1.3 billion budget, 6,000 employees. And he's also making a run for the top seat in the state for governor. So we're going to get to that a little bit later. But right now, I want to welcome Sheriff Joe Lombardo. Welcome to This is America. Good morning, Rich. Uh, Happy to be here pleasure you got it brother so i want to um, play a clip of this so that you could hear it and the audience can hear it it's about 25 seconds and then i want to get your reaction to it listen to this nevada assembly won't be making it to any campaign appearances anytime soon she's in jail accused of robbing a local bank the arrest report says luana clark walked into a bank near craig road in tanea passed a note to the teller which claimed she had a ghost gun that's a term for an untraceable firearm The note had her name and address on it, asked for $900 in cash, claiming Clark was the victim of a violent crime. The bank teller gave her the money. She was eventually tracked down and arrested. She's due back in court May 3rd. So excellent work by your department. And, you know, from my own visits to Las Vegas, 
incredibly safe. I've never had an issue with crime or anything like that. So to me, this leads me to believe that this isn't that we're in a bad neighborhood. This is a bad economy and a bad leader in the White House. Sheriff Joe Lombardo, what say you? Yeah, I agree with that, Rich. You know, it's unfortunate she put herself in that situation. But the interesting piece on that is her name and address on the thing. So obviously she wasn't of sound mind. And, you know, part of that is desperation that you alluded to. The overall economy, uh, you know, in the United States to include the state of Nevada, to include Clark County, where I'm the sheriff. Um, um, We're feeling all the pain just like everybody else. And usually in a tourist economy, we feel it first. And so there's a, you know, the unemployment rate is is second to the highest in the United States here in Clark County, and it's reflective of people's desperation. And what do they do? They get desperate. They have to feed their families or whatever the the motivation would be, and and then they do idiotic things like this lady did. And and fortunately, we were able to get her into custody. But the interesting piece you alluded to it was she's running for the state assembly. So I don't know what's going on in her mind and the motivation, but for her to be high-profile like that, it would be very unlikely that we would not get her in custody as a result of that her actions yeah i think this is again one of those situations where uh there there are lots of people and you know this better than anybody that are career criminals they resort to crime as their way of life if they want to eat they go and steal some people even do it just to go back into jail because they're so successful in jail that's where they know how to function i don't know that this woman is that person i don't know if she has a rap sheet that's a mile long to me again i think there's a lot of uh, cases like this especially i'm originally from new york We see so much of this in New York where people are just so destitute right now, living in hotels provided by the government, that they're willing to do just about anything to survive because they're not able to because the lockdowns hit Manhattan so hard. And, and, you know, this is one of those things where I think this is not just isolated to the biggest city in America, New York City, and and to big cities like Vegas. But this is uh, endemic of Biden's policies where everybody's paying more for gas prices. Everybody's paying more for just about everything because of inflation, because of bad energy policy. And I'm thinking, you know, at the state level, some governors are able to make a a difference and make an impact. And obviously you're making that impact as a law enforcer and keeping the streets clean and doing everything a good sheriff does. But you're throwing your hat into the ring, your sheriff's hat into the ring, and you've decided you want to run for governor. So tell us a little bit about the impetus behind that. Well, you you hit on it. You you, you answered the question, your own question there. It's a, it's all those endemic issues that we're all experiencing now. So I'm at the precipice in my career. I had to make a decision whether I was going to run for office again or not for re-election. And you know, then the COVID hits, and then uh, we end up with a Democratic governor in the state of Nevada here on the last cycle. And there's a lot of flawed decisions. Um, that are coming out of that office now as a result of COVID and responded to crisis and then the nationwide with inflation and interest rates. And nobody can see an answer, you know, at the end of the road. And so that made my decision. I was like, hey, you know, I've, I've got a history of leadership and experience and that the Nevadans can trust. And I said, hey, I'm going to put my name in the hat because I know I could do a better job associated with that. You know, that's what I deal with in the last 34 years in law enforcement is crisis and, and finding solutions to issues that people are, have to deal with on a daily basis and and. You know, I, I'm, it's safe to say that Nevada is going in the wrong direction, and I want to reverse that course. What are some of the top um, um, plans that you have for, you know, some initiatives that you've got to, to bring Nevada closer to where you think it needs to be? 
Well, first and foremost is education. We're quite often rated at the bottom of the barrel uh, when you look at our education ability and access and, and you know, quality here in the state of Nevada, and, and it's never been a priority out of the governor's office. And, and to me, that's one of the major priorities of a governor is to uh, pay attention to education, improve upon education, and find solutions for developing a workforce. And part and parcel of that is the education has to be in diversifying our economy. You know, we're a tourist-based economy, and that will not survive us into the future. So we have to look at diversification of the economy, bringing in outside companies that pay high wages, you know, and good quality of life for their families and, and the ability to live in this environment in the state of Nevada. And, and education is part of that. And then third is law and order. You know, we're under a single party rule here in the state of Nevada. Both the uh, assembly and the Senate is majority Democrat uh, to, to include the constitutional offices and and so we get groupthink coming out of the, our legislature here associated with fighting crime and, and policies on economy and, and environment and education. And, and we have to have a significant change or we're going to go down the wrong path and won't be able to come back from it. But more importantly, the law and order piece, that, that's the reason why you have me on your show here. You know, I'm sheriff, I'm subject matter expert associated with that. And, and you have, uh, you know, freshman legislators or ill-informed legislators making decisions on crimes or uh, penalties associated with crime and, and laws that affect our ability to affect arrest or put people in jail. And we're seeing that across the nation, not just in the state of Nevada, across the nation, that groupthink and that soft on crime attitude, which is going to um, bring the entire country down, which brings this lady that's mm -hmm. running for assembly into a bank in desperation to rob a bank. Yeah, you know, I think you're nailing it here. And when you say soft on crime, I think we have gone a little bit past that because there's actually some pro-crime progressives that are out there in the DA's offices in a lot of big cities. Don't know if that's infecting Nevada just yet, but it's definitely here on the East Coast. It's definitely on the West Coast. And when you have right. people that are you so pro-crime, it hurts. That's our neighbors, Rich. You know, what happens in L.A. happens in Vegas. And, you know, they have an extremely soft on crime DA out there in, in Southern California. And it hasn't happened here locally, thank, thankfully. We have a very good DA here in, in uh, Clark County. Um, but you can see the pressure from the left. He, he's a Democratic DA, and, you know, people sometimes succumb to the pressure, and hopefully that doesn't happen here. But outside of the DA and prosecution is just the general crimes that we're able to arrest people for and, and the thresholds of, of penalties associated with it. And everything is becoming a, a soft, squishy attitude uh, towards victims and more concern for the, the suspects in these, in these paradigms. And, <clears throat> and we got to do something about it or we can't come back from it. We're on with Sheriff Joe Lombardo. Joe Lombardo is the sheriff in Clark County, and he uh, oversees the uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and he's a candidate for governor in Nevada. So uh, the website, just in case anybody wants to take a look at the campaign or send you a check, I urge you to help out if you can, Joe Lombardo for nv.com joe lombardo for nv.com now sheriff joe lombardo before we let you go i want you to make your last uh ditch effort to let everybody that's listening coast to coast why you are the best guy to become governor of nevada because i'm a boots on the ground guy you know i'm my lifetime is so uh you know public service and nobody else in this campaign can say that you know the, the, 
you alluded to the size of the and the breadth of my responsibility here on the police department, $1.3 billion, 6,000 employees, and that's exactly what the governor does. It's the CEO of a big business, and that's what I'm doing. I'm a CEO of a big business, and that transition would be seamless for me. And I have, you know, good vision, excellent vision, proper vision associated with the needs of the state are. Um, my opponents uh, are career bureaucrats that sit around and opine on policy and, and what they believe is the right direction to go, but have no idea, no effective idea of how to implement uh, those policies and those ideas. Well said. That's Joe Lombardo for MD.com. <laughs> Thank you, Sheriff. I appreciate it. Rich, appreciate your time. My pleasure. Take care. God bless. All right. Bye. All right. More to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's got the best head of hair in podcasting. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. Happy Saturday to everybody out there tuning in, listening, downloading, sharing with your friends. Thank you for doing that, at Rich Valdez with an S. If you want to weigh in and have your opinion heard on my social media, let me know, at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. Now, we were talking about crime. I want to talk about the media. Because the media, I think, is uh, it's a big topic. There's social media, there's news media, there's now the news media is becoming streaming media, so they're no longer their legacy media or they're morphing or transitioning, we should say. But what's really interesting to me about this stuff is that you've got CNN Plus. Now they came out and they didn't even give themselves a chance. I find it so remarkable. CNN Plus comes out and they say, all right, we're launching this platform. And they're three weeks into it. Now they pull the plug and they say they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars. How do you spend hundreds of millions of dollars on something and not even really give it a legitimate chance to succeed? I don't get it. Now, Brian Stelter says, well, we'll never know if it was really a failure or not a failure because we just didn't give it enough time. Now, I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm just saying, yeah, it's a it's a spectacular failure. Okay, so I don't agree with him. I disagree with him. Of course, it's a failure. But how do you determine that it's such a failure so quickly? That's the part that uh, bewilders me. But let's listen to Brian Stelter. Listen to this. Let me try out a theory on you, Matt, which is it's too early to know if this product or this service was a success or a failure. I've, you know, you got all the haters today saying this thing was a failure. I don't know if we can even ever assess that because it just simply didn't have enough time because of the management's change in direction. And at the end of the day, if you buy something, if you buy a giant media company, you get to do whatever you want with it. But it does mean there's a lot of suffering uh, for employees and frankly, disappointment among subscribers as a result. Okay. Well, I, I get his point and I will, um, you know, I will concede a portion of that saying, look, if you had this project and you rolled it out, it's, it's in effect the same point I'm making, uh, but from a different perspective. Because I'm saying, how do, you, how do you pull the plug is my question. He's saying, how do you call it a failure when you have new management saying they don't want to do this? So uh, I can tell you it's still a failure. Right? It was an idea that didn't work. It failed to launch. It failed to succeed. It failed at everything because it was shut down. So it's still a failure. We're not going to argue that point. But I do really uh, question, how do you make that determination? I guess there's dollars and cents that go into that. Um, you know, figuring out how, how will we compete in the streaming marketplace? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. But there's this piece in town hall that makes fun of a few things. And it says 13 things that lasted longer than CNN Plus. And I thought it was funny. Number one here 
is Kim Kardashian's marriage to former basketball player Chris Humphreys, which lasted 72 days. CNN Plus lasted 2.25. That lasted 2.25 times longer than CNN Plus, which only lasted 32 days, which that was pretty funny. Jeffrey Epstein in jail. He only lasted 35 days. Pope John Paul I's reign, which was 33 days. Tom Brady's retirement, quote-unquote, which lasted 40 days. Our friends at For America said <laughs> Tom Brady's 40-day retirement lasted longer than CNN+. Plus. That is funny uh, and true. Let's see what's next here. The Senate trial of Bill Clinton for his impeachment. December 19, 1998, the Senate began its trial on January 17, 1999, or ended the trial, and henceforth was acquitted on February 12, 1999, a total of 36 days. There's a couple of more. The funniest of those more. Transitory inflation, which has been 14 months and counting. <laughs> That's funny. Now, with respect to the media, I want to take a look at what's going on. What's the current state of affairs? Because you've had the, um, the woman from Libs of TikTok, right? She was outed by uh, a doxing that was done by this woman from Washington Post. And this has been a big story this week. And again, I think some people may care. Others may not. If you know Libs of TikTok, you probably care because it's 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 a great it's a great feed. They put some of the best content in there. I don't know where they get it from. I guess they have people that send them stuff from all over the place. And you get these crazy outlandish people on the far left fringe of the spectrum. You know, that's whenever I play an audio and I say it's it's a teacher wearing, you know, green hair saying that she identifies as whatever. The, these people come from. Lives of TikTok is usually the, the source because she was able to compile this stuff. And it makes you think, what is going on with Twitter? Will Musk be able to do it? Now, Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, he's now saying that Twitter's board should be fired. And it seems a lot of people are getting into the momentum that Musk has created. But others are saying, you know, Elon Musk, he's the type of guy that likes to silence people and this and that. And I myself don't necessarily support the idea that the richest guy on the block needs to go and buy some communication vehicle and take over, right? That's what Bezos did, and some of us had issues with that. So it makes sense that the left would have an issue when somebody that doesn't subscribe to leftism does it to them. I get it. But I think overall, it's a conversation worth having because what we don't want is this cancel culture. What we don't want is for people to get doxxed and put people in danger like this libs of TikTok story. Now, I was looking at a piece in Newsweek explaining that these kinds of attacks on privacy and anonymity of private citizens, just because they dissent from the liberal hegemony, are problematic. But unfortunately, they're more commonplace now more than they've ever been. It's not just coming after journalists. They're all over the place. And the piece points out how AOC, all out crazy, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, how she called for a... Uh, kind of a commission to look at the people that dissent against them or her. Ultimately, the um, formation of a group called the Trump Accountability Project. And if you remember, their goal was to curate a list of White House staff during the Trump administration, cabinet members, political appointees and whatnot, people across the government whose jobs were linked to the Trump administration in order to blacklist them from future work. Is this free speech? Is it is it an attack on people? Is it is it permissible? Is it not permissible? I don't like it. And I think when you do stuff like this, you the result you get is the Mike Tyson effect, right? We'll call it the Mike Tyson effect. His famous line, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. 
just like the guy that threw the water bottle at him on the airplane. And I think that's what ends up happening in situations like this is that people are going to lose it. Just like this person, Taylor Lorenz or Lawrence, I'm not sure how she pronounces that, L-O-R-E-N-Z. She's the one that doxed the uh, woman from Libs of TikTok and then Washington Post decided to quickly remove the address. But the damage was done, obviously. And then she herself starts whining and crying, saying that it's unfair the way people are treating her for doing her job and blah, blah, blah. In effect, getting a, you know, a dose of her own medicine. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Don't move a muscle. We're going to continue this conversation on the media. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S on all the social media. And I want to get into something the former president had to say. Is this what the left wants or is it just the squeaky wheel getting the oil? Social media is a volatile place. And Barack Obama weighed in on that. He had something to say. I want you to listen to this. Understand, it's not necessary for people to believe this information in order to weaken democratic institutions. You just have to flood a country's public square with enough raw sewage. You just have to raise enough questions, spread enough dirt, plant enough conspiracy theorizing that citizens no longer know what to believe. Once they lose trust in their leaders, in mainstream media, in political institutions, in each other, in the possibility of truth, the game's won. And as Putin discovered leading up to the 2016 election, our own social media platforms are well designed to support such a mission, such a project. Yeah, well, guess what? Part of that is true, and he knows this because he's an expert in it. He is the demagogue in chief, Barack Obama. He knows exactly what he's talking about. The idea is to sow that seed to get people to just doubt, to give up, to say, you know what? I don't know what's true anymore. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should do that. Should I wear the mask? Should I not wear the mask? Should I believe what they're saying? Should I not believe it? Is is the classroom as woke as they say it is? Are they really coming after my kids? Are they not coming after my kids? And there's a whole third of this country that sits in that middle where they're like, I don't know what. And basically they become apathetic. They say, you know what? I don't know if it's true. And guess what? I'm not voting. I don't care. I don't want to talk about it. I'm going to go watch the Kardashians. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to go to watch a sporting event. I'm going to get involved in something else. And people should do those things. You should get involved in other things because it's very healthy to take your mind off of the craziness of what the news of the day is because there's so much information. And it's polarizing, and for some people, it's paralyzing. It gets them to this point where they're like, enough is enough. Ya basta, no mas. I get it. And that's why I try to introduce a little bit of levity here and there, and I try not to just get on my soapbox and, and you know, beat you to death in your eardrum with, with uh, why the left is horrible. Because ultimately, I want you to be friendly with the left. I want you to have a conversation with the left. Last night, I actually did a show on Sirius XM. I hope I'm, I can say that on the air. And it was in Spanish, and it was with the former deputy national spokesperson for the DNC, and he was a uh, advisor, a communications advisor to Obama in the White House, a guy named uh, Jose Aristimuño. And we did the show in Spanish, and it was a really fun time because it was a back and forth about you know what your friends think and what my friends think, and and it was it. I didn't hate the guy. I don't hate the guy. 
we disagreed. We agreed on more things than we disagreed on, honestly. And I think that's the type of conversation that we need to have. That's the type of uh, outlook that we need to use going forward. We can't sit here and hate the left all day long. We can hate what they stand for. We can hate what they do to our communities. But we can't sit here and hate all these people. It's kind of like the old saying, um, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. And that's important because if we don't do that, we're going to hate everybody. It's kind of like the old saying, another old saying, got lots of old sayings today. Uh, the old saying where they said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. If we really live by that code today without the redemption and forgiveness of, of Jesus for those that are Christians, we would live in a blind and toothless society because we'd run out of eyes and we'd run out of teeth to go an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. So we have to learn how to get along. We don't have to like everything they do, but we don't have to hate every last one of them. I mean, the the radical fringe left is just that. It's fringe, and it's gotten bigger over years. It sure has. But ultimately, we have to find the common ground, and we have to govern. And this is why I know that whoever becomes the next Speaker of the House, whoever, you know, takes out McConnell, hopefully somebody takes out McConnell, although it's unlikely, they have to be able to make some sort of deal at some time with the other side because You have to in order to govern. Otherwise, you have gridlock unless you replace them with your own people. So unless you have this massive Republican majority, you're going to have to work with the other side at some point, like with Manchin, like with cinema. And we have to make that work. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of social conservatives that don't want to work with cinema because she's uh, the first bisexual elected to Congress and has had, you know, these sexually deviant positions on relationships and whatnot. But people needed her and Republicans needed her. We've needed her recently. We've needed Manchin recently. And things like this happen a lot. And I think this is one of the reasons why Reagan was so successful because he was able to reach across the aisle and get things done. But yet people hated McCain for it and other things. So I'm not comparing McCain to Reagan. I'm saying we have to be compromising in some way, but knowing how far we can go without compromising our true value. And and it's a sliding scale and it's a case by case decision each time. Sometimes you're going to have deal breakers that are non-negotiable, things you can't bend on. I get it. But when you can, you need to because we need to get things done and we have to move forward united as a country because if we're not united, we're divided. And if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So make sure you get involved. Make sure you do something. Reach across the aisle. Do something. I don't know. Read a book. (laughs) Listen to my show. Binge watch it if you can. Anyway, that's uh, all my time. That's why I'm getting silly. I have uh, another great interview coming up. Uh, Listen to this on Sunday. A clinical psychologist that's a former intelligence officer in the United States Air Force. So you don't want to miss that. Plus, all of the analysis and commentary on the latest headlines. So don't move a muscle. Make sure you uh, check that out until the next time. Hasta la próxima. I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com.